OMG both our representatives in UK you have failed us why is MG6 not serving in Britain I'm sorry Mr Chen we think maybe people in Britain reckon that Chinese cars aren't safe then why you waste time joining British Toy Car Championship that not demonstration of how car performing clash you've not met Jason Plato have you mate Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, Spando Ballet Croaky Throat Edition. Clang, how about that name dropping straight into the show? I spent the weekend with some 80s pop stars, and consequently my voice is a bit croaky, but Richard, your voice isn't croaky, is it? No, it's fine, but I just went horseback riding with Tony Hadley. <laughs> and, uh, and then went for a lovely roast lunch with Simon Le Bon. Have you been hanging out with any members of two of the 80s biggest pop groups, Song? No, but oddly enough, I can say in all honesty, and no, I'm not actually making this up, I did get a lift home from a party just a few weeks ago with Corinne Drury from Swing Out Sister. What? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah I remember you tweeted Lovely that. Girl, no sense of direction. <laughs> really? <laughs> that is super... Uh, well, well, hang on a minute. Chase uh, needs to be cut to. Uh, br- what br- car? Br- it was a cruiser. It was a... Uh, yes. well, having discussed the fact that uh, you don't what? see many cruisers around these days. A PT actually, cruiser? It was a PT oh, cruiser. Dear. Well, well, well. Still going PT cruiser. Martin, the drummer in that <laughs> band, is a mate of Nigel Twist. In fact, they were in school together. He was the drummer in The Alarm. Excellent. Yeah. Hey, that's brought that back home. Right, I'm trying to find a way now of linking from the 80s to the launch of the new Formula One cars, which has been going on this week. In fact, by the time we've published this show, there will have been a whole bunch of other F1 cars launched. We've only got two at the moment. We'll start with the big one, McLaren. Did anyone follow the launch live online? I did. Afraid not, no. I was on an open-top bus tour with Tears for Fears and couldn't... (laughs) That's Stop a lie. It. I was at the Top Gear studio <laughs> making this week's show. So, no, I didn't. I, I would love to. I remember doing it last year or the year before. Yeah. And Is it uh, worth catching sort of, on a sort of live I don't know. Thing I d- a it's a... actually a bit boring. And I think it was two years ago that I followed it live online because I was working at home and it was sort of a good excuse to not do the thing I was supposed to be doing and just watch mm. the car being revealed. But well, I do remember they made the drivers sit on stools and they looked like a slightly ropey boy band. As if they're about to sort of start singing. Yeah. 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 I mm. think there's no point really watching a launch, to be brutally honest, unless there's some radical change to the car, which had been mooted beforehand, whether that's design or even just sponsors, because... It's just going to look like last year's car, usually, unless there's a major change to the rules. And that's what this year's McLaren looks like. It looks like, not last year's car, but two years ago's car. And I think there's a good reason for that. You know, McLaren talk about this strength in depth. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, which is... That's the pizza arriving. Ooh. Did you hear that? Pizza. Pizza. I did. Hmm. Also, I realised we could have a bit of a scoop here that's not really a scoop by the time we publish. Because my wife has been at the Lotus Factory today uh, working on their launch, which I think happens on Sunday. I've got to go get the pizza now. Well, I'm just going to text. I'm just texting my wife because I forgot to ask her when I spoke to her early on. She was too busy telling me about other exciting things. She never told me what the car looks like. So I'm just going to text her. Okay, hit the pizza. Yeah, this is. We'll just fill. It'll be fine. Yeah, we'll just. You go get the pizza. He's going to be a while, isn't he? We should mm, probably, yeah. Probably just do a sketch or something. Mm. Go on then. Passengers recently arrived from Miami are currently in the immigration. 
Your passport, please, sir. Thank you. Mr. Wilson, returning from the United States. Holiday, was it, sir? Er, uh, not really. I've been working. Working? Working as what? A racing driver. Oh, really? Aye. One 24-hour race at Daytona. Mr. Wilson, you know it's an offence to lie to an immigration officer, don't you? I'm not lying. I am a racing driver. I drove for Jaguar in Formula One. Oh, did you? Yeah, and I did really well. well now I know you're lying. Guards! Before we were so rudely interrupted by ourselves, if I remember, I just said there's a very good reason why the MP4 27 looks like the MP4 25, the car from two years ago. Apparently, you know, they talk about this strength in depth at McLaren. McLaren have two, two, two design, design teams, teams yeah. who we leapfrog and yeah. alternate. There's a certain amount of swapping between the two teams. Yeah. But basically, these are the people who put together the 2010 car. Was that any good? I don't think it was as good as last year's car, was it? Um, it had the F-duct, didn't it? It had the F-duct. Yeah, yeah, and then last year's car started badly or relatively they developed badly. developed it yeah. last year. And improved towards yeah. the end, yeah. So... I don't know. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you have this risk of those design teams going, well, Team B's ideas were rubbish and we're going to do it (laughs) our way and they go back to doing what they're doing and there's a sort of not-invented-here syndrome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you would think that that would be the kind of thing, amongst other things, that the kind of McLaren management, the team would be very good at managing. I mean, yes, you're absolutely right, there'd be that kind of danger. It's a matrix. Um, But on the other hand, you've got the benefit of two teams competing to do a better job. Mm. In any case, they're going to do as good a job as they can in any case, but when you've got two groups of very smart, motivated people in the same organisation, you know, they're going to try and outdo the others, and it, it will probably push them to do a better job. Maybe there's a danger of, if you don't handle it right, there'd be dangers perhaps with people holding on to ideas, not sharing ideas that the other design team might be able to use. And obviously you want to use, you know, the best ideas you can. Wasn't this the downfall of the Soviet space programme where they had competing design bureaus who never shared information? If they had, they would have come up with an N1 moon rocket that actually worked as opposed to half a good idea. But didn't the Americans do that as well? I mean, although Von Braun's designs were the ones that got them to the moon, Mm -hmm. Von Braun didn't design the first generation of America's rockets. But he was able to draw on the resources of Grumman and Boeing and Rockwell and Rocketdyne, and he was able to pick and choose what he needed. Whereas, I'm assuming that this is how McLaren do it, from what I'm told, you know, it's entirely a group's responsibility. I don't know, they've managed it up to now rather well, although they've only won, is it one World Championship and two Drivers World Championship in the last 20 years? Three, hang on, three drivers' no, it, championships, it, it, two constructors in 20 years. Is that right? Hacken and Hamilton, that's it. Is it? Kimi never won for them, did he? No. No, he won with no, Ferrari. No, he won with Ferrari. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, Hamilton's only won... DC never won, won for them. Hakey certainly never won for them. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, never won a championship. Montoya never won the championship. No. Uh, Andretti. No. <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking? Um, but, but, you know, the car looks interesting. The car looks very conservative, I have to say. It's got a prettyish front nose. Very flat rear section. It looks almost like a, a Le Mans sports prototype. It's so flat at mm. the back. It really does. The drivers sound very pleased with it, but then... But they always do, you know. You know, when have you ever 
heard a driver at a launch go, well, pff, yeah. That would be pretty I'm terrible. Not, I'm not really looking forward to driving <laughs> yeah. this year. Yeah. Yeah. So are you looking forward to the season uh, that's coming up? Not really, not no. This car, no. I'll be honest, no. I'm dreading it. I mean, look at it. Look, <laughs> this is awful. In fact, take me with you. I want to leave. <laughs> The launch was pretty low-key. Crofty hosted it, did a nice job. It was a fairly small room with lots of 125-250k resonance from the PA. A lot of feedback. And you thought McLaren would have sorted that out with their technical abilities. It was a bit poor. But it wasn't until the two designers got up that it actually became interesting, where they started talking about what was and wasn't on the car. And I think what was it really interesting... Radio cassette player. They <laughs> d- didn't have that. No, no flaps. No, these are options. Sport package. Do they have the, uh, yeah, they did the, have the yeah. sport package. Oh, okay. Funnily enough, yeah. electric seats. <laughs> No. Rear wash white. In fact, no, no, not even reclining seats. Floor mats. Steering, didn't no yeah, floor mats. Option, no heated yeah. rear window. None of that stuff. Yeah. It's good that they've uh, praised everyone of what they left off. <laughs> what was interesting was what they didn't say. I think they didn't say help oh. by being attacked by a monkey. They didn't say that. That's right. They also didn't say Slade. Oh, I wish they were still around. Didn't say that either. Well, what they actually? But you said that for them <laughs> over the top of watching the footage. You I say that involuntarily everything. every day. I've said it now. <laughs> What they didn't say, I'll get this sentence out in a month, was, oh, we've got something on the car that's a bit trick and clever. <laughs> now, why didn't they say that? Was it because they because didn't want to sneaky. draw attention to something which is on the car and is a bit trick, or have they not really managed to come up with anything? <laughs> Am I double well, guessing here? I don't know, because it's hard to tell, isn't it? Mm. The yeah. same way, it's impossible to tell at this point who's going to be strong and who's not, because... We're looking at dummy cars having the sheets pulled off them by drivers yeah. who don't really know what's going on. We will know more after the first test at Hereth, but even then there'll be sandbagging and double bluffing and all sorts of things and people blanking off the heated rear window switch to pretend the car hasn't got one. I mean, the teams themselves, <laughs> you know, don't have a perfectly clear idea about how those cars no. are going to... No, no. Work out when they hit the track. No idea you at know, all. And because we haven't got any races to watch, we've just got to speculate about it ourselves. And by we, don't we have. It's all we've got to do. Hola. I am David Elkroft, and welcome to the launch of the 2012 HRT Formula One car. Please welcome on the stage lead HRT driver Pedro De La Rosa. Pedro, the new car is behind us here on the stage. Can I ask you, please, to remove the sheet? Eh, come on. It can't be as bad as last year's car. What is the last thing you want to hear when you launch your new car? When you see a new Formula One car for the first time... Oh, look, the car's on fire. That's a bad thing to hear. Richard, any guesses? <laughs> Isn't that a Renault 4? Yeah, that's <laughs> also be a disappointment. I think it's probably the same thing that you don't want to hear when you dress in front of a girl for the first time. <laughs> oh, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that it? Or just laughter. Even worse, laughter. <laughs> and I am really, really glad that Caterham, formerly Lotus, formerly Malaysia One Racing... I'm really glad that they launched their car. Well, it was supposed to be launched in F1 Racing. They actually sneaked out on the web the day before, didn't mm. they? When people got their subscription version. I've got a copy of it here. I'm glad that they didn't do it in a room and whip the sheets off because yeah. the assembled masses would have gone... 
look at that! It's ridiculous! It doesn't look pretty, does it? Let's just study it for a moment there. I mean, on, on the upside, Lego are going to have a much easier job True. turning that into a, <laughs> uh, into a Lego version than they would normally have. There's yeah. something very Stuka about it. You know the Junkers 87? Uh, the Stuka. Yeah, yeah. It has a really odd sort of step, just sort of, you know, backwards of the nose. There's an odd transition between the main part of the body and the nose. It's all a bit sort of square and odd. And the mm. reason is that the new rules say that your nose height can't be a, above a certain night it has to be quite hmm. low that's why it's dropped down at that point at so, the yeah, front axle and there's some bulk hey, what we get some real facts well no just that the nose height is restricted to 55 centimeters but you need the bulk at, at the height of a garden nose yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Mm. standard using standard measurements the cockpit can be 62.5 centimeters high and it seems that McLaren have dropped the whole nose of the car to create a sort of smooth sweep upwards. Mm -hmm. And Caterham haven't. So yeah. they just put this ugly step into it with then a sort of indentation through the middle of that chisel. step. Hmm. Chisel, I call that. That's like a sort of a woodworking chisel. But, you know, we've seen yeah, those sort of raised haunches before. I remember there was a Toro Rosso a couple of years ago that looked a bit like those bits over the eyes of a velociraptor. But this is... And isn't that a... Wasn't that a, like a suspension thing? It was sort of to yeah. sort of cope with the ends of the suspension mm. clothes, yeah. the inside ends, I think. Yeah. Um, they say if it looks right, it'll go right. Yeah. Looks, well, wrong. Mm. looks wrong, doesn't it? It does look wrong. I wish them well, but I kind of wonder how well the Caterham brand fits into this in that they are superior kit cars, but they're kit cars. They're cars that you basically put together yourself. OK, a lot of the guys that are driving on the road are driving cars that Caterham have built... But they're kit cars. I don't actually know how well that really works for F1. And You took the words out of my mouth, Sog. Exactly what I say. For me, catering will always mean kit, copy, licensed old Lotus. Hmm. And Formula well, One. Well, I mean, I mean well, that's a bit harsh. They're not copying well, yeah, the rights to design. Yeah, I mean, it's a thoroughly kind of worthwhile... Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it is Great the continuation car. of the Lotus 7. Yeah. But it's a continuation of that bit of the Lotus heritage. Yeah. That tiny but important bit of the Lotus heritage, let's put it that way. I just think... It's not what F1 is really about, because F1 is, you know, the pinnacle, the highest, as opposed to, you know, developing an old idea that you borrowed from someone else because they don't want it anymore. I agree, I think Caterham is a mistake. What could well, they have mm. been? You know, they could have called themselves Malaysia One, if they want. We've got to force India, why we have Malaysia One. You know, they could have gone for Morgan. Would Morgan have licensed it for them? Would uh, you want Morgan? That's not your point the no, you're making, is it? No. Is. Noble. to Morgan as well. Noble may be... But also, you're spending presumably a lot of money to put this name on the car. Over 70 quid. Is it? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And what the benefit? What does the benefit for Caterham? What would the benefit be for Noble? They're a tiny company. This Formula One goes all around the world and reaches an enormous audience of people in many different countries. Are they well, then I, going to buy a Noble or a Caterham? They well, can't. It's, it's impossible to buy one mm, in no. India or... Yeah. I don't think you could buy a Caterham in, I don't know, Abu Dhabi or something like that. You could probably go to a great deal of hassle to have one sent over and then assemble it yourself. But why? No, I mean, why it, would you do that? It's a very good question. What is the exact business money situation here. To put it in crude terms, you know, how much is it costing Caterham for there to be a Caterham F1 car on track? Because unless there's some way in which it's being massively subsidised by somebody else, which obviously it is, it can't possibly be a sensible business decision. Where are they getting the money from? How is it going to 
pay off. Popular 80s Portuguese club singer Tony Fernandez. He's bought Caterham. He's invested in Caterham mm. cars who are strapped for cash. So they're not yeah. paying to have the car, but you're right. But yeah, Seems the like money guy is, is using the name, name. to... Yeah, there's yeah. probably a better place for that name. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm being snobbish about Caterham. I'm not. I love Caterhams. I think yes. it's a great company. They're great cars. And I love the fact that they make stripped-back-to-basics, raw, down-to-the-essentials cars for the road. I'm just questioning whether, yeah, this is the best place for them to advertise their brand in, in the most weird. I mean, just seems weird. Might as well go with Ginsters or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I know they should have called it Westfield, shouldn't they? That would have fixed it. What, the shopping well, centre? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or the slightly uh, knock-off Caterham lookalikes. There aren't any more, are they? Because they do their own thing. Westfield's sort of clipping along in their own right with those things that look like little shrunken Le Mans prototypes and stuff. Doing okay. Yeah. In fact, it almost makes more sense for them to have sponsored a Formula One car because they do have... These small racer-looking cars yeah. you can buy and take yeah. either as a track day car or enter a single mm. make series. Or radical sort of yeah, motorsport involved. Yeah, slightly more retro thing. Which Spiker which should have worked if, if Spiker could have kept the money going long enough. You see, that's a brand that you aspire to. Well, yeah, Spiker. but again, yeah, you sort agreed, of do. Agreed. But I, does, what is Spiker doing at the moment? They're going bust, and they're now owned by. They own my Ginetta. Someone else has just bought them, haven't they? Uh, oh, oh, no, no, own, panels, own something the, panels. Uh, oh, that's them. right, yeah, motor panels of Coventry. Yeah. <laughs> I think they actually are called motor panels of Coventry. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know those posh kitchens, small bone of devisors. <laughs> and you must think, that sounds terribly nice. I'd like to have a small bone of devisors kitchen. <laughs> and uh, that tea, nice tea, tailors of Harrogate. Yes. Nice tea. Yeah. But uh, motor panels of Coventry. Of Coventry. Yes. Mm. We had our small bone of devisors kitchen put in where I make my tailors of Harrogate tea. Mm. And then I go to motor panels of Coventry and mm. I buy sodding great lumps of steel fashioned into panels for motor vehicles. It's not quite the same. They've made it sound more romantic. Than it really is. Oh, yeah, you need they to bought Spiker because Spiker had to sell themselves to keep Saab going. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's right. It's the same rule that makes anything on the menu sound better, isn't it? If you say where it comes from, that's D- true. Dungeon esque yes. crab is always going to be better than crab. crab. But I just like a type of crab. I had some Dungeon esque yeah. crab in America, and I'm pretty sure they didn't fly it in from Kent. Did you check its accent? It's all like that. It was quite nasal, yeah. an estuary. Yeah, estuary. Yeah, estuary. I bet there'll be a dungeoness in the States, just like there's, you know, oh, they yeah. have all this, you know, <laughs> there's, there's a Dover Washington. in the States. Yeah. Do- Connecticut, is it? Birmingham, there's, but, Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, there you go. London, Windsor. Yeah. 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 Flint, prob- Michigan. Flint, which is in uh, North yeah, Wales. Yeah. Flint. Yeah, I about that. Yeah. It's my home county. Flint. Can I say that again? It has to be said as if it's a surprise. There are three places in North Wales which have to be said like it's a surprise. Flint is one of them. Mould. It's like you're supposed to know the answer. Mould. Okay. And my favourites of them all, of course, Wrexham. That's more of a question mark. Exactly. They should have an exclamation mark. There's one, only one place in the British Isles that has an exclamation mark in its name. Get out. Genuinely. Well, hang on. Westwood Ho. Westwood Ho. TV's Violet well, Berlin. Got Violet Berlin. Oh, you got it from the distance. Yeah. Hey. Westwood, Westwood Ho genuinely has an exclamation mark in its name. And the only car I can think of I'm, which has I, an exclamation mark in its name is the Volkswagen Up. Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, I thought we were mounting a campaign to get rid of that because it's bloody stupid. Also, there is another car with an exclamation mark in its name. My bloody Rover! (laughs) (laughs) That was only what I said when I couldn't sell it, though. Welcome back to the Morning Zone. In a minute, we'll be talking to Scotland's youngest arsonist, so we will. But first, with the time just coming up to 8.30... 
As ever at this time, we're going over to Leo Scredden's in the fitness corner. Thanks, Eamon. Well, today we're going to be doing step aerobics. First of all, get up onto the nose of the new KTM F1 car and step up and then step down. Up and down. Up and down. Remember not to look at the actual car or you'll find yourself vomiting copiously. It's seldom that we ever write anything down for this programme, but so much happened this week. I kind of made a list and I thought that we should talk about them, right? How about this? Sky to show GP2 and GP3. Good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. I'm not complaining, but I almost feel like what it's going to do is make me feel guilty when I don't watch it. Because I'll be thinking, I should be watching that. I bet it's really good. But there is only so much motorsport that a man can take over the weekend, or that a Uh, man's wife can take. Exactly. That was my argument. I assume that this is kind of being pushed on Sky as part of the deal that gave them F1. They've been. uh, Well, I don't know, but it works for them as well. I mean, they've got this whole channel, so they need to fill it. I mean, that's true. The reason why I think it's a bad thing is exactly what you say. I think, you know, for those of us who love motorsports, if you've got a whole channel dedicated to it, Proper good class motorsport. You know, you, you watch your Formula One, then you watch your GP2, the build up to it, you watch your GP3. The missus, who ultimately is in control of the purse strings in all our houses, <laughs> you know, it's the truth, is going to say next year we're not paying for Sky. I think it could actually do them damage. I do. Okay, that's the first thing. Next thing, Dome to Le Mans. Not necessarily exciting, but interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, always good to see an old name back. Is it possible well, that whenever their name is said, if I was the boss of Dome, I would insist that it was sort of said Dome, like a synth drone so. underneath yeah. it? Dome, or like a pub shop called it Dome, Dome, Dome. In a minor key. That was quite minor. I think AER must have tuned our engine for us. Okay, Nick, I felt that this is possibly the funniest thing. <laughs> I'm not the man to make mock of speech impediments with my <laughs> lisp. But honestly, Nick Heidfeld, of course, used to drive for Renault until recently. Sorry, he used to drive for Weno until recently. Kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit. Where's and he gone now, then? He's gone to Webellion. Oh, Webellion? Yeah, yeah. Webellion yeah. Wasing? Webellion Wasing, so that's why. So he's part in the, uh, the Le Mans 24-hour endurance race. <laughs> endurance race, that's why, yeah. He'd go down to... Yeah, which country's that in? Uh, France. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did this move happen uh, a long time ago, or was it... Um... Oh, recently, oh, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. Say, and yeah. it was quite a conservative choice from him as well. Really? What, it wasn't radical? wasn't radical, no. <laughs> Not a radical recent move for uh, Nick Heifel to go from um, Weno so to Rebellion. And Rebellion? Yeah, Rebellion, yeah. Are their cars uh, known to break down, or are they... Um... Oh, very reliable. Oh, are they? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah very good, reliable cars. So, yeah. so yeah. You, you think they could be in the... In the in the um... in the one Oh, in the yeah, one Yeah, yeah, they'll be in the one <laughs> Ah. Uh, So, now that's not as silly as Rubens Barrichello going to Indy. Now, it's not. Rubens going to IndyCar is not silly, is it? Absolutely not, no. He wants to carry on racing, can't carry on in F1, why not do an IndyCar? Yeah, I think uh, that sounds like a good move for him. It'd be good if he went and absolutely levelled it there. But actually, he stands a chance of doing that because it's a 
level playing field this year because they've all got these new DW12 cars, the brand new car, brand new engines. You know, the pack's been shuffled, everyone's dealt the same set of cards. So everyone is technically a rookie, so it's a good year for him to come in. The record of F1 drivers going to American open-wheel racing is pretty good. So, you know, you'd yeah. expect him to be competitive. But I'm quite looking forward to, at some point, maybe if Le Mans doesn't work out, then Nick Heidfeld could go to IndyCar oh, yeah. and drive for Team Han Solo as a Wookiee. Oh! Oh, dear. Very good. Oh, that was like a complicated series of passes that then <laughs> led to an open goal. But. Yes. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Who carries IndyCar? What TV broadcaster in the UK carries IndyCar? Is this a quiz? Are there points? Sounds are there like prizes? There are points and prizes, yes. Uh, I didn't know that uh, they did or was or... Well, there's oh, your answer. Oh, there aren't, are there? I, yeah, I yeah. Don't think I've never, Sky? I, do they? So Where, though? And the sports package yeah. Have they done yeah. this year? Yeah, really? yeah. Okay. So, remembering that the F1 audience is now going... To Sky, hmm. they'll be able to follow Rubens's activities. It works as a package. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it does. If you're a British F1 fan who likes Rubens Barrichello and has a Sky subscription, you show me a British F1 fan who doesn't like Rubens Barrichello. Fair it's point. A I'll give you that. I'll give you. Yes. Doesn't like Rubens Barrichello. And what I'll, is I'll it we like? I will absolutely give you that. And what is it we like about Rubens Barrichello? The fact that he's a bit Scottish? No, that's only one of the things we like about him. Yeah, he can extract nutrients from seawater, I enjoy that. <laughs> and I also <laughs> enjoy can... Gareth's impersonation of him, <laughs> as, as shown in the last programme. He has the passion, he has the passion to drive the car. <laughs> love that accent, I love him. Okay, in the list of crazy things going on, Lotus for sale. Now... Proton have just been sold to HB something or other, not the Malaysian government anymore. Yeah. And there's still no firm information that they're going to hive off Lotus, but they probably are, aren't they? Well, yeah, and also the Malaysian government has been under pressure for a few years now to drop the prohibitively swinging import duties on cars which were there to protect... Their motor industry. Their motor yeah. industry, which is basically Proton and Proton, but mainly Proton, who were set up by the government in the middle 80s. All government cash, deal with Mitsubishi to get the technology to do it. A local media expressly forbidden from criticising the car in any way. I mean, that's how controlling it was. Imports have an enormous tariff on them, mm. and uh, this is supposed to contravene various Asian trade agreements. So they're under pressure to drop that. Now they don't have a stake in Proton, I wonder if they will roll over. Obviously, there's much more to it than that because there are jobs at stake. Yeah, and yeah absolutely. Because the fact they don't have a stake is that Proton would not exist without these artificial constraints. It's the world's most artificially constructed car company, mm. worse than almost anywhere else, and, you know, including places with state ownership and state influence like Renault and Although, to be balanced, you think, I'm sure if you were to look back into the history of a lot of... Oh, yeah. A lot of the European and American yeah. car companies, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. there's plenty of subsidy and there's plenty oh, of protectionism God, completely. in Everyone, their history. Everyone, from VW to Peugeot yeah. to everybody's had a little but bit But in of the case yeah, of Malaysia, absolutely. it was there for very good reason because Malaysia had no motor industry, it had virtually no industry yeah. until the government said, right, we're going to do something about this and it became a, a quite a powerful tiger economy in Southeast Asia. You know, it's one of the spearheads, I think. So what yeah, was, but it was what all was very was artificially created, wasn't mm, it? It sort of true. superheated and all went a bit... Yeah, they did pop. But when I was in Malaysia last, which was probably four years ago, most of the cars on the street were Korean. 
Were they? Seriously, yeah. Were they? That's yeah, interesting. astonishingly, yeah. Because I wonder whether they were locally built then. Ah, I wonder. Kids. They were doing sort of, I think VW were doing the same thing, doing sort of a CKD type operation yeah, yeah. to get round these import yeah, uh, yeah. tariffs. I just think better Lotus gets out now than is still shackled to Proton and Proton goes Proton under just yeah. by dint of not being able to yeah. sell cars. Who should own yep. Lotus then? Hyundai? Kia, perhaps? Chinese? Certainly Kia have... <laughs> Lotus's number because Lotus have done loads of work on their cars. Yeah. The Kia Soul has got a chassis tuned by Lotus for Europe and so on. I don't know. Would they look after it? Lotus seems to be a bit of a, a, a difficult company to look after. But then, who, but they've been through hands. Yeah, yeah. GM, Toyota, GM. Well, Toyota sort of never really owned it. Twenty percent, did didn't they? Yeah. yeah, just enough to sort of have a bit of a cross sharing of technology or and to sell else. some of their components. Yeah, mm. but. GM, well, I mean, GM have a great history of making a total cock of any company that they buy, mm. including, you know... Did GM own the UK? Are. Is that what's happened? Is that why we're in such stick over here? <laughs> GM owners. GM, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's it. If anything goes wrong, do check that it's not owned by GM. I noticed you were having some problems with your computer before we oh, started yeah, recording. Yeah, I have been, actually. Yeah, are you I'm sure there's not got GM in it somewhere? I'm going to go back and check right now. It's, it's yeah. the Apple Astra, I believe. That, yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to Richard Porter. Goodbye. Zog. Goodbye. And the croaky voice of me, Gareth Jones. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site or follow us on Twitter, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>